Man, I'm excited to hear Dr. Russell again tonight. We're going to have this week and next week. Uh, we're going to be talking about some current events of, of Israel and what's happening, what has transpired since the last time you were here uh, teaching about a month or so ago. And, and so, uh, if y'all will, will you welcome Dr. Russell to us tonight? You guys are so kind. Thank you. Yeah, Israel. Man. Oh, let's see. This is Marty's. The Middle East is always moving. You know, it never sleeps. And uh, so true since I last talked to you guys. Um, a big event happened when Marty asked me to do this about an update from when I last talked. It was a couple of weeks ago. And actually... At that particular moment, there were no really big, what I call, wow events that I need to talk about. There's always something going on. There's stuff going on with Lebanon and Syria and the Israeli Defense Force taking out Hezbollah's armaments and all the time. I mean, something, but it's not something to just come in here and kind of present to you guys and you get all excited about. Well, of course, <laughs> it didn't last long. There's a really uh, big wow event. And uh, first of all, I'm going to review very, very briefly, briefly, because we sure went over enough before those of you that were here, um, about the importance of the rebirth of Israel. I'm just going to read one uh, scripture um, which speaks of the rebirth of Israel, and it's in Amos. And the reason that's important is because, again, that's the timepiece when Israel was reborn in May of 1948. That's when the prophetic clock really, really started ticking because from the time of Jesus until then, really not much happened, if you think about it. And another thing to think about, which I've thought about before, is I believe that we here are living in a very amazing generation. If you think of the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of Christians and believers in you know, before us that longed. You know, they studied the scriptures and they knew this was supposed to happen and they just longed to see such a thing and they didn't. And they at times couldn't even imagine how Israel could be reborn. Uh, again, we've talked about the, the miracle of Israel. But Amos said, I will bring my people Israel back from exile they will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. And if you saw some of the pictures of Israel that I showed before, maybe you can imagine this because, again, that all has come to fruition. I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted from the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. And then we talked about at great length Ezekiel 38 and 39. Uh, the rebirth of Israel from the Valley of Dry Bones, if you remember. And, uh, Hunter, you are so good. <laughs> I didn't even have that listed for him to pull up. He's a true miracle worker. But anyway, um, it's an amazing time we're living. But in Ezekiel, he spoke of them coming again, never to be moved. Somebody needs to tell Iran that, I think. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, bring that big three slide up. So what I said all that to say is this. Uh, when we talked, we talked about this right here. 
And this happened 12 days ago. We talk about Bible prophecy being fulfilled right in front of your eyes. On the left, that's Putin. In the middle is Raisi of Iran. And on the right is Erdogan of Turkey. And this is right out of Ezekiel 38 and 39, guys. This alliance has never happened in the history of mankind. And these people really don't like them each other very much. But you know that old saying, the enemy of my enemy is my friend? And that's part of what's bringing them together right now. This is a historic moment. It may not seem like it, but I think in retrospect, people will look back and say, this is about as equal to Pearl Harbor, 9-11. And I would not be surprised if this is not a true historic moment. Maybe a while before that's realized. But that's the main update uh, about Israel to bring to you tonight. And then, and I, I think I told Marty this, I'm not sure I've got a lot to talk about. And he said, well, talk about whatever you want to. So he, <laughs> very trusting pastor we have. And thank God we've got a pastor that's interested in Bible prophecy, guys. You know, a third of the Bible, Bible prophecy, 3% of pastors teach on it. So we're really blessed here. Of course, I'm kind of partial to prophecy, as you know. Um, Anyway, when he, he asked me that and we talked about it, I thought, okay, what, what can I talk about? I've got a, a blank sheet here, and uh, normally I don't have too much trouble thinking about something to talk about because it's my heart's love. And I thought, well, what can I share and, and hopefully be of interest and, and help people understand? And so I thought, oh, well, there's the, always the, you know, the, the basics, the wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, diseases, famines. And I thought, no, 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 no. I, these folks have heard that since they were, you know, in, in Christian uh, kindergarten. They've heard it all their lives. I mean, that's just same old, same old. And I thought, well, what can I talk about? And I had a lot of things that, that I do like to talk about, you know, um, 70th week of Daniel or parts of Revelation or, you know, the prophetical... Uh, Reconstruction of uh, the walls of Jerusalem, which is pinpointed to the day, and even the time that Jesus was going to come into Jerusalem. Do you all know that that prophecy was pinpointed to the day that he would return into Jerusalem riding on the back of a donkey? To the day. And talk about God's prophecy coming true. But anyway, nothing, I just couldn't settle on anything. And I mulled over that for about two weeks, and... I kept coming back to the basics. And I thought, no, no, no. So I asked my great spiritual advisor, Liberta, and she, she said, yeah, I think that'd be good. And, you know, there's a scripture that says there's a, well, wisdom and a multitude of counselors or something like that. So I went to my second spiritual advisor, Sharetta, and bounced it off her. <laughs> and, she said, yeah, I think you ought to do that. So it's kind of like, okay, that's a confirmation. So I was settled on it. And, you know, almost immediately, and, you know, I, I do hear from God. You all hear from God. You know, we all in this room hear from God, and sometimes loud and booming and sometimes a quiet whisper, and we might wonder. But I kept getting this word convergence as I was thinking about preparing this talk for you all. Convergence. It's not a word I think about much, but it really popped into my head. So I got to thinking about it, and I thought, yeah, 
convergence. So go ahead, Hunter. Let's convergence. It's a definition right there. To tend or move toward one point or one another. To come together and unite in a common interest and to approach a limit. And I read that and I thought, hmm, wow. One point. Scripturally, I mean, that's not a scriptural definition, but if I look at it, what's that point? The return of Christ. You know, that point. What kind of common interest could there be there? And it could be that common interest of being all people, believers and non-believers, their interest in the end of the ages. Everybody has some opinion about it, whether they believe or not. And then, number three, to approach a limit. And that word jumped out at me, limit. You know, our God is merciful. He doesn't want anybody to be lost. We all know that. He wants everything, everyone to be brought into this or fold of believers until the time of the Gentiles has come in. But there's a time when that mercy will end. And we all know this. And, uh, you know, the time of the end is like Noah. We've heard all that too. And thinking about it, if you, if you read the scripture about Noah, once all the animals went on the ark, God shut the door. Noah didn't shut it. God shut the door. And that's pretty impressive. Then the parable of the ten virgins, the, the wise and the foolish. You know, well, the wise ones went into the room, and the foolish ones were down at Exxon looking for oil or wherever. And what happened? The door was shut, and they couldn't get back in. So there's a time when there's no more time for those that don't believe. And so we're going to talk about proofs tonight, by the way, as we go through things. And... Um, what I want to submit to you this and next week is i just like to compel all of us to realize that time is short. We all feel that. We know that. We look around the world. We all know it in our hearts and in our minds. Okay. It's busy up that slide, Hunter. And <laughs> busy, busy slide. Um, that's my slide. Um, I started thinking about what are some of the signs out there? And we're not going to talk about all these tonight. We won't talk about all of them through the end of next week either. But a lot of them we know. The rebirth of Israel we've talked about. Wars and rumors of wars, which we're going to talk about next. Not that these are in any particular order at all. Deception, pestilence, apostasy. We'll probably get to that tonight. Economic uncertainty. We're there now, aren't we? Again, the Gog-Magog war which just showed up on the screen. Weather changes, which are happening, we know. Earthquakes, Jerusalem conflicts, famine, rise of false prophets and teachings, decline in moral values, increase in knowledge and increase in travel. And those are two fascinating uh, studies. So I thought, well, we'll just start looking at some of these converging. And, you know, the the word convergence, uh, a lot of the um, scriptures... Jesus says, when you see all these things coming together, know that the end is near. It's not when you see one or two of them, but when you see all of them. And this by no means is all of them. It's just some I kind of picked out. So these things are converging right now. Again, in a way, 
never in human history. So when I thought I would do this, I wanted to give you all proof that all these things are really happening, that we are seeing them. Proof, not necessarily by Scripture, but by objective facts and published data, putting it together. So it's not sensationalism. It's not somebody with a fad, you know, fad sermon or anything like that, but objective, concrete proof. So that's, that's my goal for tonight and next week. So let's start with wars and rumors of wars. We all know that's on our minds right now. Uh, if you had the TV on lately watching uh, Miss Pelosi uh, flying to Taiwan, you certainly know. But go ahead, that next one there. And we're just going to talk about some of the bad stuff first. Uh, if you've been around, you know very long and watch the news. Um, this is just a couple, few weeks ago. Uh, Putin put his nuclear force on high alert. Um, talk a little bit about nukes. Uh, they're not very pleasant, as we all know. I'm going to that next one. Uh, nuclear blasts, we've all seen these. Um, in this case, I think a picture's not worth a thousand words. I think it's far more ominous than that. Um, I'm interested in war and the armaments of war, which is something I've always been interested in. I hate war, but the, uh, the study of war and the armaments uh, fascinate me, in, including nukes. Um, it's just amazing what they do. I uh, won't go into great detail about it. We don't have to. This is something, I'm going to go to that next one. Uh, here's something out of interest for you, so you'll sleep well tonight. This is a targeting map for nuclear missiles to rain down on the United States. Uh, first strike, more than likely, that the Russians would do. I don't, I don't know if that's based on intelligence or, or probably just uh, men and women that think about such things. Um, that's not a whole lot of hits when you count them up and when you think that, you know, Russia has around 20,000 or so nukes, I think, right now uh, aimed at us, and we've got about that many aimed at them. And also, um, if it were only those many, uh, even the folks that aren't really getting hit, we all know what would happen to them. So nuclear war is really an existential thing. It, it truly is. There's no doubt about it, no downplaying it. Then, Hunter, next slide. You throw in a crazy guy like uh, King Jong-un, that guy's nuts. I mean, he really is. You know, he's a, he's a short man with a big ego and a lot of paranoia. And uh, the sad thing, he's, he's got a number of nukes now, and they work. They've been tested, and really sad, he's got an ICBM that could loft one into San Francisco tomorrow. Uh, he's a wild card. And, you know, as we're... I was thinking about the Taiwan thing and when it comes to war. <clears throat> you know, World War I, um, tens of millions of, of lives lost, but it was all triggered by a relatively minor incident in some European countries. Somebody got assassinated. I, I should know, but I've since forgot who. Austria, I think it was. Yeah, Duke, what's his name? You know, it wasn't a big scheme of things, but it was just that thing that just ignited the powder keg. And man, you know, you got all these folks running around like we had this week, you know, with the United States and Taiwan and China. And I was thinking about all those aircraft in the air and all those ships and just thinking one little mistake, somebody a little bit trigger hungry, you know, trigger happy. And it, it could come upon us. We pray it won't. Let's look at that graph there, Hunter. So, 
Again, I want to bring you proof, not just, uh, and this is uh, the number of active state-based conflicts in the world uh, from 46 to 2020, I think. So as you can see, they really truly are increasing. It's not just everybody's imagination. If you look at that graph, they're, they're going up. Um, we talked about nuclear weapons, but you know, conventional weapons are terrifyingly destructive now. They're not only a huge increase in numbers, but also the, the power and the lethality just of conventional explosives has gone up incredibly. Um, this got a few statistics here. There's at least one military weapon and 4,000 pounds, which is two tons, of explosives for every man, woman, and child on Earth. So, you know, you got at least one military weapon and 4,000 pounds of high explosives for every man, woman, and child on Earth. That's a lot of, that's a lot of bang, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, two tons of explosives for each one of us plus our children. There are 27.5 million military personnel in the world today. Now, that's all countries. 27.5 million. The Department of Defense is America's largest governmental agency. This century, war deaths alone, 167 to 175 million people perished this century in war. That's just war deaths. That's, how do you comprehend that number? Um, I couldn't. The population of Arkansas is 3 million. So if you're looking at up to 175 million people dying, it's hard to conceive. I, I thought, well, how can I conceive that? Uh, if you think of New York City, if you've seen pictures of Ben over it, it's huge. It's just monstrous. But, you know, it has a population of 8 million. So I did a little math with the help of the Internet. And um, if you take the people living in Tokyo, Japan, which is 37 million people in one city, makes New York City look tiny. Take Delhi, India, 30 million in that city. Mexico City, 22 million. Cairo, Egypt, 20 million. Beijing, China, 20 million. Then New York at 8 million. Los Angeles at 4 million. Chicago at 3 million. Then you throw in San Francisco, Miami, and the state of Arkansas, and put all those together, that'd be less than 175 million dead this century. So how much does this stuff cost? You know, the uh, United States um, budget in 2020 was $721.5 billion, with a B. How much does this stuff cost? Um, you've all seen pictures of, you know, fighter jets. I mean, you know, there's a lot of different ones, but our most modern one is the F-35. We've got a lot of countries around the world buying it. It's an incredible aircraft, and it should be, because they cost anywhere between 80 and $100 million <coughs> per airplane. So when you see a bunch of jets in the sky, just figure ballpark 80 to 100 million per plane. Um, how much do they cost? <laughs> the F-35 costs about $28,500 per hour to fly. And our uh, F-22 comes in about $33,500 per hour. And they burn about 50,000 pounds of fuel per hour. So 
I don't know what Miss Pelosi's uh, garrison cost to fly her over there, but anyway, we won't go there. We're not political in this church, are we? Then there's one more airplane. It's the B-2 Spirit uh, bomber. It's our uh, strategic bomber. It's the big bat wing thing. Those come in at $2 billion apiece. So anyway, that's where your tax dollars go. Um, let's go to earthquakes. <laughs> earthquakes. Are they increasing? Well, I wanted proof, and yes, they are. You can see on this slide right here uh, that they are increasing. Uh, between 1990 and um, something, got a misprint here, there were roughly six major quakes every 10 years. Recent data suggests that major earthquakes now occur more than once a month, and great earthquakes shake the globe every year. Um, let's see. Then, you have that one on Texas up there? And as we know, the scripture says earthquakes will increase. And let's see. That's right. Is there another one up there, Hunter? Is that it? That's it. Okay. We'll just skip that. It's not important. It was just one showing uh, about Texas earthquakes are increasing. And uh, I don't know if it's the fracking or what going on down there. Um, and again, I want to be truthful in, in facts and for the sake of transparency. There are a couple of reports that says earthquakes are not increasing. But those by far were, you know, not the majority of the ones that I saw. Um, let's see. What's the next slide, Hunter? And we'll go from there. I'm sorry, what? Oh, I messed up on the scripture. Oh, let's go to the scripture. I don't want to pass up any scripture. Uh, thank you. It's keeping me straight. You've heard this. Y'all have seen this scripture many times. And uh, I actually passed over that. Thank you, Hunter. That should have prefaced uh, these graphs. So famines and earthquakes in various places. Um, true. In the beginning of the birth pains. Thanks. All right. Now we go to the next slide. And that's uh, another graph showing that earthquakes per year are very definitely increasing. And there's that one about Texas. Yeah. So they're telling um, people in West Texas to prepare for higher magnitudes of quakes. So diverse places. And another just graphic um, and objective evidence that what I'm presenting to you is, is certainly true. All right. What do we got next, Jenner? I'm sorry, what? That's okay. Just skip on to wherever we are. Okay, I want to talk about apostasy now. And uh, again, this is a scriptural, and um, you probably have that scripture of it. And then we'll... Basically, apostasy is the act of refusing to continue to follow, obey, or a great falling away. Got a few scriptures here. And this is because this is one of the signs of the time, people falling away from the church, from Christianity. And we know that's going on. The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Uh, speaking of the abandoning the faith, we have some statistics on that too coming up. 
The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, put that one up there about blinding for a reason. We'll come back to it. Don't let, no, you can go ahead. I just, you know, that was a, don't let anyone deceive you in any way for that day, the day of the Lord, will not come until the rebellion, the falling away, occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. So I want to comment about apostasy a little bit. That, that scripture there suggests that the timing of the great apostasy, as opposed to overall falling away in the church today, and the revealing of the Antichrist uh, tend to come together. Um, although the great apostasy will probably not occur until most likely after the rapture, according to some things I've read, my own humble opinion, we certainly are seeing, seeing a turning away. We're seeing church attendance dropping. Marty's talked about that on several occasions. And um, let's see. The other thing is uh, in studies where people are asked, do you believe in God? People say, oh, yeah, I believe in God. You know, you know where I'm going with this. Uh, that's just a knee-jerk, automatic, polite, socially corrected thing to say. But... Um, we have another slide. If I get off a little bit, that's okay. So, oh, that's right. They're gone. They, they didn't make it. That's okay. That's all right. But the um, this scripture here, do we have that Matthew seven twenty one verse, or did I miss that as well? Do we have that one? Matthew seven twenty one. Yeah, and this is a the point I was making there. And this is another very sad scripture. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father and who is in heaven. Um, and many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoer. Well, that's... That's brutal. But, you know, it's, it's a brutal thing to think about. Um, I was uh, <clears throat> watching a program by a moderately prominent, wonderful lady who's, I mean, she's Bible teaching and she's not judgmental. She's kind and loving. And she said that according to her and people she's talked to, maybe... <clears throat> Maybe one out of ten people sitting in church pews on Sunday will really make it into the kingdom of God. One commenter, com, com, commentator wrote this, said, The apostasy will occur within the ranks of the members of the visible church. The point Paul appears to be making is that the visible church community within which true saints exist will become so apostate that it will dominantly will be dominantly filled with people who profess to be Christian, but really are not. They will continue to profess to be Christian, but most in it will actually not be the true believers. So, as we said. But the belief in the true God is declining. Um, and even though this that we're talking about is not the really the big great apostasy, I think it's a preview, a shadow of things to come that God so often shows us. Religious landscape, this is a quote, <clears throat> um, 
The religious landscape of the United States continues to change at a rapid clip. In Pew Research Center telephone surveys conducted in 2018-2019, 65% of American adults describe themselves as Christian when asked about their religion, down 12 percentage points over the past decade. <clears throat> Meanwhile, those who describe their religious activity as atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular is up to 26% from 17% in 2009. So a quarter of the people out there are overtly saying, you know, I'm atheist, I'm agnostic, or who knows. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. What can you do? Right. Mm -hmm. I agree. 44% of millennials have no religious affiliation whatsoever. Almost half. So. We do. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're all seeing this, this decline in, in work ethic and all of that. I, I know in my profession, many years ago it started. I mean, to be honest, you know, the, the young physicians, they didn't want to work. They just wanted a lot of money and didn't want to work. And 
when they would come to work, they'd leave and go out the back door. It's really pathetic. And uh, I've, I've heard it's in the nursing profession and pretty much all that I have to do as far as my general field. Um, Hmm? Oh, okay. That'd be great. Um, good for you. Let's, uh, yeah, that Bill O'Reilly is, what, about four minutes long? Maybe. Okay. Well, it's, why don't you put that one in and we can s stop it at any point because we got about nine minutes because we are going to quit by eight, I guarantee you. Okay. Yeah, why don't you run that one? That's, that'd be a good follow up to what we're talking about right now. But he's way beyond. Catholicism in the sense that he is a thinker and he applies religious beliefs, not just Catholic beliefs, to how the country is being run. All right. Now, he's got a very, very interesting article. It's long about the decline of religion and how it has changed everything in America. So let me boil it down to you. And, and Bishop, if you're watching and I'm getting this wrong, I'd love to have you on the program. OK. He says that people who don't believe in God often, not all, but often put themselves in the center of the universe. So there's no higher power. There's no greater good. It's you. That's all. And whatever's good for you, you'll do. And sometimes what's good for you is bad for everybody else. OK. And, you know, you know in your own, own life that this exists. And those people, where the world revolves around them, I, how many times my mother said, the world doesn't revolve around you. Yeah, now in America and in Western Europe, that's narcissism, all right? So it's all about me. And don't you dare try to tell me it isn't. That's growing. I think that's the fastest growing neurosis in the world, narcissism. OK, and the children now devoid of any kind of spirituality or religion in public schools, they've wiped that out completely secular. OK, you don't. There's no God at all. There's nothing. All right. And if you mention it, you get in trouble. You get canceled. If you're a teacher and you say, well, you know, I want to think about God. No, no, not in public school. So the kids, a lot of them are raised with no spiritual foundation at all. They don't know. They don't know anything about the Gospels. They don't know anything about different religions. They don't know anything. And they don't pray. They don't think about it. You know, it's all evolution. And, you know, look, if you study the human body, there's no way that we physically could have come out of some swamp or some meteor hits. <laughs> I mean, this is not. And that's why, you know, so many medical people and scientists, they, they're religious. They, they couldn't happen. All right. It's so sophisticated. Anyway, Barron says, because of this rise in narcissism and the rise in American citizens thinking everything's about me, that's the way they vote. So if you're going to give me stuff, even though you're going to wreck the whole system, I'll take it. Uh, perfect. <laughs> Just what you were talking about, Marty. I'll quit here. Do y'all have any questions? <laughs> <laughs>